welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns Podcast, we're back talking all things crypto. We're featuring a new entrant in the market called Your Portfolio. It launched just before Christmas last year with the unique concept of crypto gift cards. You might have seen this. You could physically buy a gift card and redeem it for cryptocurrencies. The founder and CEO of Your Portfolio is Daniel Seckers, and he joins me now. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Jacket. Okay, so how did you develop the idea for your portfolio? Well, Justin, as with all good startup ideas, this one started with a bunch of guys sitting around a fire pit and uh, and having a barbecue and a drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, where, I, where where was that? Uh, actually, it was it was in Byron Bay of all places, mm. um, and you know I, I was sitting around the fire pit with some of my fellow founding team. And we were just having a discussion and, and talking about the disconnect at the moment between uh, financial services, cryptocurrency, the developing token economy, uh, and just the, the lack of accessibility to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we all saw an emerging trend with you know crypto and, and tokenomics. Uh, and uh, but, but what we saw was those opportunities were for people that were really in the know, um, the, the so-called crypto natives. And so, you know, everyone else in the marketplace was kind of being left behind and, and declared as, you know, you're almost not welcome because you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, or, or worse, they were, you know, getting into something they didn't understand. A lot of people were getting, being fleeced out of money or, or losing their investments. Uh, and, you know, when whilst we were talking about this, we all agreed that there was an opportunity to address that gap and, and really okay. provide yeah. a better customer experience. Yeah, and so then how did you, after you finished your uh, your beers and put the fire out, how did you then um, develop that initial idea, that concept into a fully functioning business? Uh, a, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of discussion. So, you know, we've been working on this for the better part of almost two years now mm-hmm. uh, and, and really trying to work through the, the technology um, and, and there's a lot of moving parts uh, in this business. There, there's a lot of moving parts in the industry. If you start to look mm-hmm. at, at crypto, you know, the, the, the concept of digital currencies is just one piece, but there's so many factors to it. Whether you're talking about stable coins, you're talking about some of the bigger, the, the bigger coins such as Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. Uh, and then you started to see a lot of ICOs coming to the market. Uh, sorry, ICOs, initial coin offerings and uh, yes. yep. So there's been a lot of movement in the market and a lot of different things coming to play. And I think it's still kind of very early days uh, as to exactly where the market is, is going to land and the industry is going to land. Um, but we, we really went back to first principles um, and we laid out a plan that said, you know, there, there's three key things that we need to do. We need to build something that's radically simple. Um, we mm. need to build something that, that makes it accessible. And we need to build something that's innovative and future ready. And and on that, had you been following the crypto markets closely or was this like a little bit of a sort of side interest, which then developed into your full-time job? Oh, look, it, it definitely started as a, a side interest and a, a bit of a hobby. Uh, you know, crypto in the early days, especially in, in the early rise of, of Bitcoin, you know, piqued my interest. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the beginning trying to figure out, well, how do you establish a wallet and, and how can you trade it? None of those things existed uh, only a handful of years ago. Mm. And, you know, that, that interest eventually evolved into, into seeing an emerging trend, learning some hard lessons. Uh, you know, there, there are some investments that, uh, that I've certainly seen uh, the, the money just disappear. Um, you know, whereas as other investments, if, if you treat it the right way, have, have actually performed quite well. Hmm. Uh, and so ever since then, I've, I've been investing in kind of bite-sized chunks along the way, you know, watching volatility, averaging myself into the market. Um, and, and it's been interesting. It's also gave me an opportunity to play with the different platforms that are out there. Uh, you know, the early exchanges were all overseas players. We've now got a, a couple of exchanges locally here. Um, and, and watching them uh, grow and develop and emerge along the way um, was, was very interesting. And it was also a steep learning curve uh, for myself. Well, on that, how, what, tell us about your professional background, Danny. How did you, how did you end up here? Uh, how long have you got, Justin? <laughs> well, normally about half an hour. <laughs> uh, okay, I won't fit it into that. that it, it is a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Um, look, I, I've been involved in varying startups since uh, since the early 2000s, um, you know, starting out in the events industry, but but I really started to get into tech startups uh, in 2009. I had a, a digital agency at the time, um, and, you know, whilst we were servicing our customers doing, uh, doing digital marketing, we also started partnering uh, with a, a number of groups, building products on the side and, and uh, creating our own our own startups. Um, I've been involved with a number of startups. Some of them have, have done amazingly well. Some of them have, have been absolute failures, but that's the, the joy of, of being in the startup land and, yeah. and being an entrepreneur. Um, the, the most notable one that, that I've been involved with and, and probably the most successful was actually Menulog. Uh, in the Menulog, and, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but since then, uh, I've, I've spent most of my time kind of investing and, and working with companies, um, mainly tech companies, but uh, I've also ventured out in, into uh, other fields afar. So I've, I've toured around with medical cannabis and cybersecurity. And in fact, one of, uh, one of the companies I'm still involved with and I sit on the board of uh, is a global cybersecurity company. Um, but, you know, most of those have been fairly passive by, by way of involvement. Um, yes. And, and your portfolio really became something personal for me. Uh, the, the more I talked about it, the more I felt like I had to act and I had to do something. Uh, and before I knew it, suddenly I found myself bitten by the, the entrepreneur founder bug again. And you're in an office and you've got staff and you've got, um, you know, computers and rent. and <laughs> Yeah, so... I, I, I didn't even know how we landed there. I'm talking to investors, <laughs> you know, creating a vision and uh, it just became all consuming. Mm. But a lot of a lot of fun at the same time. So let let's go through your portfolio. What exactly have you built, and how does it work? Uh, okay. Well, as with all good lean startups, we started simple, uh, and we set out to prove uh, a particular concept. So, you know, we we went through quite a lot of ideation. We had many ideas, uh, but where we landed at, quite interestingly, was testing the idea of crypto gift cards. Um, but it just the concept of crypto gift cards wasn't enough. And I really wanted to set out, uh, and the team was great with this, we wanted to set out and push some boundaries and, and test some theories. Uh, and, you know, one of the interesting thoughts that, uh, that came to mind, it, it took me back to, um, 
I recall hearing an interview with Frank Lowy. Yes. Uh, talking about talking to talking about innovation and how we wanted to bring it into Westfield. Uh, and he spoke about how we wanted to cross the boundaries of the, the physical and the digital. Um, and, and I actually remember having a bit of a giggle at the time. He he coined a phrase in that interview called digital. Um, <laughs> I wonder how you spell that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's not go there. But, um, but, but it's something that really stuck with me. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I thought it was funny, but, but the concept really, uh, really kind of played in the back of my mind. Well, he's, a smart, he's a smart man. Smart he's man. a very smart man. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that, that particular piece inspired me. And, and so I set a challenge to the team to say, guys, can we be the first to market with a physical crypto offering that we could sell in a retail setting? You know, what if we could take crypto and sell it in a Westfield? And... We looked around at existing platforms and we, we tried to see, is there something that we could leverage? Could we, you know, beg, borrow, steal, uh, as you do with a startup? Uh, but we, we really couldn't find anything that existed that could help us achieve that outcome. So okay. we, we set out to build it and we, we built it from scratch. And, and that was no small undertaking. I mean, we, we, had to, mm. we, we had to actually build a combination of businesses. If you, if you think about where we went, we had to build a physical retail business uh, an e-commerce business, a gift card business, all of it underpinned by a digital currency exchange um, and all of it wrapped around the security that everyone would expect to have uh, in dealing with investments or when you're dealing with other people's money. Hmm. And so we, we managed to launch an MVP in, in December, as you mentioned, just, just prior to Christmas. Um, we thought that we would get out in the Christmas period and, and try and uh, leverage. Yes, the, I remember the, it. Yes, I saw the, it. The one yeah. Is a gift, yeah. Um, and we built a pop-up inside of Westfield Bondi Junction, uh, and, and we started selling crypto gift cards. <laughs> I'm I'm keen to know what that was like, and and who the customers were, because obviously. You know what they're so they're just walking along the shop they're doing their christmas shopping and all of a sudden you can buy a gift card for cryptocurrency give us a snapshot danny of of that experience it, it was it was very eye-opening um firstly having you know worked and built a number of, of digital businesses um it's very hard to get real customer feedback Mm. Uh, you, you, you really got to fight for it. But when you're standing um, on the floor, and I actually went and, and stood in the pop-up and, and spoke to customers, uh, when you're standing on the floor in a pop-up in the middle of Westfield Bonner Junction, uh, you, you can have those discussions and understand what is it that the customers um, found interesting? What, why is it that they were purchasing the product? Uh, and it, it, was, it was really, really interesting. It invalidated a whole bunch of things for us around you know, accessibility and people wanting to uh, to get access to, to the markets, people wanting to make it available for their kids, um, okay. which, which yep. was yep. A, a big one. Um, and, you know, how do they do that in a safe and secure manner? Uh, how do they do that in a way where, you know, from the, the parenting perspective, they could keep looking at it? Um, and it, it was just really great to get that feedback. It, it reaffirmed a lot of the things that we went out to test. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, foot traffic was low due to, to COVID-19, um, you know, when, when we ran the comparison and, and normalised the numbers back to normal foot traffic, we actually did phenomenally well. Mm, amazing. So I know it's, I know it's early days, um, but what's, what's the traction been like and, and the pickup of people that are curious about crypto 
and and getting into these gift cards? So, uh, look, you're, you're absolutely right, Justin. It, it still is early days, um, you know, super, super early days. Uh, but I can tell you that, you know, that, that specific trial that we ran in December uh, landed us with hundreds of customers um, mm-hmm. and actually tens of thousands of dollars in sales. So for, for us, we, we actually performed far better than we thought we would. Uh, considering that you know we were very limited nature in in the test, we yeah. we actually only went live uh, with with the pop up and last and everything. week, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was it was three days before Christmas, so it was the last yeah. three days. But but we really managed to capture um, some interest, and we we really learned some lessons uh, out of that. I mean, we we were aiming to to start small, which is why we weren't uh, we weren't worried about having you know massive lead times and everything like that. We wanted to get the the product right and the offering right uh, and go out and test that in the market uh, and you know the, the beauty of it is uh, we've we've learned some lessons we've we've taken a breather and, and you know the, the dev team have really started to play catch up uh, on a lot of the learnings that we've had uh, we've identified where we need to improve uh, and we're we're on the cusp of you know launching the next iteration of the platform so regulation wise. Danny, what's involved in setting up a company like this, particularly in financial services? Because there would be a lot of red tape and hoops you have to jump through to make sure you're compliant. So can you just offer your uh, story on the journey to making sure everything's ticked off and certified? Uh, look, that's that's a really interesting one, Justin. Um, the, the regulation in the cryptocurrency space uh, is is still emerging. Um, yep. It's it's still growing. So it's it's very early days. Um, but where what we're seeing is some more and more interest from uh, from regulators. We're actually seeing it globally. I'll, I'll speak about that in a moment. Um, every country is approaching it differently, which means that there's there's a lot more complexity to come when you've got various jurisdictions working working differently. Um, let, let me start. If we look overseas for a moment. Uh, as kind of a leading indicator. We saw a, a really interesting announcement yesterday. Um, US President Joe Biden uh, came out and said he wants to launch a study into, into digital currencies and specifically the, the use case of a, a US dollar digital currency. Yes, um, yes, and, I did and, read that, yeah. This is one of the biggest steps towards adoption that we've seen in a major economy. Um, you know, following the president's announcements, we saw Bitcoin jump 9%. Uh, which you know only demonstrates the volatility of, of that as a, an investment asset. Um, but what's really interesting there, if, if we bring it back to the regulatory discussion, is all of a sudden we, we saw a bit of a tussle between the regulators. So we, we can see that the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission in the US, uh, and the CFTC, who are the, the Commodities Future Trading Commission, they're both now vying for the regulatory land grab over you know who's going to get to regulate this. And, you know, we, we don't know the outcome of that yet and, or when we're going to see it, but it's, it's going to be an interesting one to watch because I think it's going to, to drive a lot, of, uh, a lot of how regulation is going to work internationally. Mm. Um, in, in contrast to this, you know, we, we saw some interesting things happen last year. We saw China, uh, another major economy, ban the use of digital currencies altogether. Now, th- this wasn't something new to them. They carried out a similar ban in 2013 and 2017, but this latest one uh, was much broader. It also banned mining and, and a whole bunch of other activities uh, and came with much more severe penalties. And so 
we we, we saw a huge impact to uh, to cryptocurrencies out of that. And there's a lot of speculation around, you know, what were the key drivers behind China's decision to do that? Was it, uh, you know, was it that they had a, a shortage of energy generation and uh, and all the mining was was using up too much energy, uh, or you know, was it uh, that China was struggling to regulate uh, digital currencies and couldn't control the outflow of funds from the country? We we don't actually know, but either way, that ban uh, ended, you know, crypto in China almost overnight. Um, and that was September of last year. It, it sent crypto in a tumble. So we, we, mm. we're seeing huge contrast between major economies. And, and, then, and then you've got countries like El Salvador, which you know has now last year, uh, in June of last year, adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. So a lot of that is 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 still playing out, and and it's very indicative of the various approaches by countries. Um, but it's also going to complicate the regulatory landscape. So let, let, let's bring that back to what does that mean for us here locally? Um, we still lack a lot of regulation in the industry. Uh, the, the only regulator right now that we legally have to deal with is, is Austrac, and, and we've been working very closely with them. Um, but the, the industry really needs uh, better regulation that, that investors deserve. Um, yes. And we've seen we've seen the government and, and regulators trying to play catch up. They're working to understand the industry. They're working to understand the technology. Uh, we saw a Senate uh, inquiry led last year by by Senator Bragg that uh, delivered some in, initial recommendations, but it, it's still early days, and, and I don't think that it, it went far enough. Uh, if I was to get out my crystal ball, uh, I would say please that, you do. Know, I love a crystal ball <laughs> on the unicorns. Yes, no, nothing, nothing like a good crystal ball. Mm. I, I think that I think that Australia we're very conservative here. We're heading towards a banking style regulation uh, in crypto markets, which interestingly I think will limit overseas players uh, and build a greater, more stronger local ecosystem. Um, a really great indicator of this, by the way, was we we saw CBA announce that they're uh, they're launching their own crypto offering. Uh, they announced it last year. We're, we're still waiting yes. for it to come to market. Yes. But, um, the, the interesting thing there was they were talking about putting it into their uh, banking platform as opposed to putting it into the Comsec platform. Mm. And I think that, that that is a very interesting uh, data point to look at right there. Just on that, Daniel, the yeah. like how widespread is crypto adoption now in Australia, from my point of view, it's it's gone way beyond the early adopter stage. It's reached the the punter level. So you've got you do have uh, your mums and dads, your grandparents, your kids. You know they're all dabbling. They've certainly heard about it, and whether they've got an account or not, they're you know it, it's their intention to purchase. What's what are you seeing? Well. Crypto adoption is a very broad question because there's a lot of different factors. As I mentioned before, we're seeing the rise of NFTs, we're seeing the rise of stable coins, we're seeing the rise of of various cryptocurrencies, we're seeing ICOs, uh, and all of these really just have so many different uh, meanings and uses. Mm, We're still trying to land on exactly what that means. But it's interesting because it means we're we're seeing a lot of adoption in in these various spaces. But if I bring it back to just some some kind of headline, if we want to look at numbers and wallets and numbers of transactions and size of transactions, there's actually a great great index on uh, on the market intelligence group called Chainalysis. Uh, They're probably one of the the leading uh, intelligence groups on, on the blockchain. 
Um, and, you know, based on a cross-section of those, those factors, they actually rank Australia as 38th in the world on adoption. Um, if we look at what some of the exchanges and, and wallet providers are talking about, uh, there's, there's an estimation of, of there being over 3 million wallets uh, in Australia at the moment, really? which is only wow. only yeah. really about 12 to 15% adoption. It's really early, early adopter territory uh, and it's early days. Um, but I think the, the other factor in Australia, what we're seeing is that those wallets tend to have uh, lower holdings or lower average transactions than the US, for example. Uh, and, and that's a very Australian approach um, where we're keen to kind of give things a go and dip our toe in the water. Um, it, it's also, you know, it's, it's been very heavily driven by, by FOMO. There's a lot of FOMO out there. I think Australians tend to have a, a punting mentality. We'll, we'll give things a go and, and just chuck a little bit in and see what happen, happens. Yep. Yep. What, what is clear is that most Australians, I think, have, have now heard about crypto. There are many looking to find a way to access it. Uh, but they want to find an access that they want to find a way to access it that they're comfortable with, yes. uh, and that's that's really what we've been focusing on at your portfolio. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. If I'm if I'm listening to this uh, podcast and I'm keen to jump onto your website and uh, open an account or make a transaction or buy buy some cryptocurrency, talk us through that process and the workflow and the verification and how long all of that takes before my account is uh, set up. Um, okay, so, you know, for, for customers to use us, I mean, we, we've taken the approach really here that simplicity is at our core, uh, and, and we've kick-started off with people looking to, to buy a gift for someone. Uh, if you want to do that, you can. Uh, we, we don't have the pop-up anymore, though, you know, watch this space. There's going to be some, some more interesting physical activations happening. Uh, but right now, you can go to yourportfolio.com, and, and you can purchase either an e-gift card um, or uh, which someone can, can receive or send immediately. Yes. Uh, or you can actually purchase a, a physical gift card as well, which we can get sent out to you. Uh, it's actually a pity that this is a, an audio podcast because the physical gift cards look really hot. Uh, and, and I'd love to show everyone uh, what it looks like. But, you know, the, the best comparison I can probably bring here is think Black Amex, you know, cross gift cards. Mm. Uh, yes, but, but love it, for, love it. For, for the gift recipient, it's really easy. There's, there's a QR code, um, you know, on the gift card or they can just go to yourportfolio.com uh, forward slash redeem uh, and redeem the card. And it's a very, very simple process. They do need to establish an account with us and, and go through an identification process. That's part of the, the, regula the regulatory rules and, and the AML KYC processes. But we've actually managed to streamline that process down to just a few short minutes. So, you know, you can get onto that platform and get access to, to that crypto um, pretty much straight away. And then we, we've been working on expanding that platform so that anyone can go to our website, sign up for an account and actually trade in and out of the, the currencies that, uh, that we make available. Uh, you know, they can now also uh, uh, deposit some, uh, some additional funds and, and start to build uh, that holding up. Right. Okay. And is that is that live yet, or is that um, is is that uh, imminent? It's imminent. Any any moment now that that functionality is going to be there. The, the team are, are doing or putting it through the final testing phases now. Okay. Um, and uh, and yeah, you'll you'll be able to uh, redeem gift cards, buy gift cards if you want to gift them to to someone else. You'll be able to deposit uh, additional funds in um, and and buy and sell. Uh, crypto. We, we've limited the initial uh, 
the initial platform to four digital currencies. So, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano and Dogecoin. And, and that was based on uh, a risk assessment, but also, you know, looking at, uh, at what does the market want access to uh, mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, but we're actually in the process now of expanding that out to uh, 11 coins. Um, and okay. you know Love what what, yep. you, what you will see is a, a platform that I think is going to bring some pretty heavy competition to what CBA is setting out to achieve. And so, if you were to uh, look, you, you've touched on this earlier, but what are some of the trends you're seeing both within Australia and globally with respect to digital currencies? Uh, okay, a, a very broad question again, Justin. There, there is so much going on. Um, one of the most interesting things that, that I've actually seen that's that's kind of very relevant and current um, has actually been a surge of specifically Bitcoin transactions in Europe. Mm. Uh, so we, we've actually seen uh, an 80% increase in the use of Bitcoin in the region in the last seven days. Clearly, this is, you know, this surge is related to the unfortunate war that's that's obviously yes, taking place in the clearly. Ukraine. Hmm. Um, but it's what it's done is it's actually knocked the US off its perch in, in respect of being the largest player in Bitcoin flows. So you used to see 44% of Bitcoin flows in the US. It's now down to 38% in seven days just because of what's happening in Europe. And so whilst it's, it's still early days, it'll be very interesting to see what this does for adoption of cryptocurrencies in, in the European region. Um, mm. And, you know, is just that another step towards uh, acceptance and adoption um, by these regions. Uh, globally, you know, I, I mentioned before, it's, it's really interesting to see countries moving towards that, that greater regulation and that greater adoption. Um, mm. I'd say that this is a great indicator that crypto is really here to stay. I, I know a lot of people uh, still question it um, and will only become a greater part of the, the kind of fabric of, of society. Um, you know, we're seeing countries and regional banks starting to develop their own version of a sovereign digital currency. Um, okay. countries, countries like Israel have already announced that they're building a digital shekel. Um, and even here at home, whilst, whilst there hasn't been a formal announcement, uh, you know, you just need to look at the fact that the RBA is hiring blockchain developers to, to kind of guess what's going on behind the scenes there. Uh, and we've certainly seen the ASX building its own blockchain settlement system to, to replace chess. True. So in terms of uh, your business, Daniel, how have you, obviously it's a startup, um, no doubt you bootstrap things from, from the beginning, but how have you uh, funded the business to start with and what, what are your plans with respect to growing that out and bringing on some fresh capital? Uh, okay, so look, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a startup, it's early days. Um, we did bootstrap it. Uh, I funded it internally together with, uh, with a couple of the founding team uh, and we took it as far as we could through, you know, the ideation phases, the initial build phase, building the team, setting up the offices, setting up the infrastructure, getting the regulators on board. But, you know, we, we kind of got to a point where we realised that we, we do need to uh, diversify the investor base if, if we really wanted to, to scale up. And so we, last year we, we closed a, a small pre-seed round. Um, it, it was really interesting. We, we went out to raise uh, only about five hundred to, to kind of $750,000. Um, mm -hmm. And before we knew it, we, we had 
about two million um, of, uh, of subscription offers. We only ended up taking uh, one and a half of it. We kind of we we scaled everyone back because we didn't want to take too much yes. too early. Yes. Um, and and you know we we closed that out uh, late last year, and uh, and and ran the test and learned the lessons and and we kept iterating and and building. Um, and you know now we're we are starting to to look at you know what is going to be the next round uh, at the moment. Um, we're we're working up the the basis of a, a seed round, and I think that you'll see more information coming out of that in the coming months. But you know in in the handful of discussions that we've had with with existing investors and, and potential new investors, uh, there's certainly a lot of interest uh, in the space and a lot of interest in what we're doing. Okay, and uh, final question for you, Daniel. What's the big picture play here for your portfolio? Obviously, crypto and gifting is a, is a key part at the moment. But what's what's the blue sky for your portfolio? I love it. I, I was actually I was just having uh, this conversation on on Wednesday with my team. We we had an all hands. Uh, we got everyone in, and we started talking about. You know, re- refining or reviewing and refining our our purpose and and our values, uh, and and we put out there uh, the idea that you know every company needs a, a BHAG, a, a big hairy audacious goal, uh, and <laughs> and you kind of need that to to be the northern star and and lead everyone. And and we're still working on ours. We're still workshopping it, um, but at the moment we're, we're all about bridging the gap between traditional financial services and Web 3.0. Uh, but specifically, you know, we, we've narrowed it down. I mean, that's that's a very broad Northern Star. That is. Um, we're, we're focusing on on building a really great customer experience, building something simple, accessible and, and innovative. And I, I keep hammering that home with the team. You know, th- this area is is just going to be so huge. There's, I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, there's this big chasm uh, between the, the the bleeding edge uh, people getting into crypto and and the crypto native people that, that understand Web 3.0 and understand what's going on, uh, they understand tokenomics, um, and you know all the people that are in the the traditional financial services industry and and that gap needs to close and and a lot of the players that have been coming out have been staying on the bleeding edge because that they want to be at the forefront of it and, and no one's really worked at just building that, bridging that gap and, and bringing it together. And so th- th- there's no doubt that what we're seeing with technology right now is going to revolutionise fintech, wealth tech, lend tech, uh, payments. You know, we, we haven't even scratched the surface yet um, on what kind of innovative products we're, we're going to see here and, and how big the landscape is going to be. Um, but that, that is where you're going to see your portfolio starting to, to do some really, really interesting things. Um, and you know, all I can say is, if if you're someone who's interested to to get into uh, some of the, the these future offerings, these new innovative products in the market, if you want to get into cryptocurrency, um, you know, I, I would dip your toe in the water, learn as much as possible, average yourself in, and find a secure platform that you're comfortable using and you understand what's going on. Daniel Seckers, founder and CEO of Your Portfolio. Best of luck in the future and thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Much appreciated, Justin. Thank you.